Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us again today. I can't believe that it is already March 2022. This year is flying by. Anyway, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for the ratings and reviews that many of you have given the podcast. I appreciate them, and I know that the guests that we have on the show also like hearing what you have enjoyed. So if you haven't yet given us a couple of minutes of your time to leave us a review, shame on you. But seriously, I do have a little favor to ask of you, and that is that you rate and review us on the Apple podcast. By doing that, it helps other people to find us. And in a world where there are now over 2 million podcasts, your ratings really do help. So if you just go to the Apple podcast app, search for Grow My Salon Business and scroll down the page, Select ratings and reviews and write us a review. We would be very appreciative. So on with today's show. My guest on today's podcast is Chris Moody, hairdresser, educator, and educator's educator. In today's podcast, we will discuss what makes a good teacher, what the biggest mistakes are that educators make, how education is changing, and how we need to learn to learn online, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Chris Moody. Hey, Anthony. Thank you for inviting me on. Hello, everybody. Great pleasure to be here. Thank you. Good. It is fantastic to have you here, Chris. I'm really looking forward to this uh, conversation because your area of expertise is something that I'm also very passionate about. So before we dig in, let's just start with an overview of you and your background. Just uh, give us a sort of two-minute backstory of who is Chris Moody. All right. Well, I'm Chris Moody. I'm a working hairdresser. I still work behind the chair in a salon about two and a half days per week or so. I've been involved in the industry for almost 40 years now. And when I'm not in the salon, I'm actually involved in delivering education. And although I started out as an educator, a teacher of haircutting, what I do now is I specialize in teaching teachers. So my specialism now is helping people to educate more effectively, to educate a little bit better. I work for uh, lots of different colleges and uh, individuals and salon groups. And I also work for very big global corporations, helping them to develop their in-person education, their online education, uh, and their entire education ethos. So that's me, Chris Moody, working class hairdresser. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I love the fact that you're still behind the chair to uh, some yeah. degree. For anyone who isn't sure, um, you are the brother of uh, Stephen Moody, who I also had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. But unlike Stephen, yeah. who moved probably 30 years ago, I'm guessing now, uh, moved to Los Angeles and is based there, you are still uh, well and truly uh, based in the north of England. And it's great to hear that you uh, that you still work in the salon behind the chair a couple of days a week. Just just tell me about that for a moment. What 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 is it yeah. that you? 
that you like about being behind, behind the chair? Where, where's the value in that for you at this point in your career? I still work in the salon that Stephen and I, uh, Stephen and my mum started back in 1961. So wow. I started there when I was 16. Yeah. Uh, I'm 23 now, of course, uh, and, and a few years on top of that as well. But uh, I started when I was 16 and I'm still working behind the chair there now, although the salon has grown and uh, uh, you know, we're doing things a little bit differently now. And uh, uh, there are two reasons why I really love working behind the chair. Reason number one is that as an educator, as a teacher, who teaches other working hairdressers, I think it adds a little bit of kudos, a little bit of your ability to earn the right so that you can relate to people and say, look, I work behind the chair. I do these people. I have that problem with fringes and running behind, and I can use my experiences behind the chair to really relate to people. It's amazing, Anthony, when you can tell them a story and say, uh, you know, when you're doing this and you're, you're stood behind the chair and you're doing this and you can feel the sweat kind of running down your eyebrows and you can feel Mrs. Brown's eyes burning into the back of your head. <laughs> it's amazing how other stylists smile and they laugh along because you connect with them. So I think it's yeah. really important I, I teach hairdressers uh, how to teach, but it's really important that I'm in the same environment as they are. And the second reason is that, uh, you, you know, for, for everything that we do, uh, all this work with these global brands, I work a lot with all the brands across the L'Oreal Umbrella. You were talking about Paul Mitchell. At the end of the day, none of it matters without the frontline hairdresser doing their business. That's what it all boils down to. It boils down to people coming into the salon on Saturday morning, getting their haircut. And that's really the working call face of, of our industry. So for me to be involved in that, it's incredibly grounding. It keeps me really humble. doesn't matter where I've been in the world or what I've done. I, I come right back to those roots. And it just gives you a real sense of, of really what the essence of our industry is, yeah. making people feel amazing about themselves, making people feel a sense of self-worth and self-confidence, making the world a better place through head. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's it. I'm going to ask you a lot about your role as an educator, but I, I didn't realise that you were still working in that original salon. So do you, do you own it? Is it your business? Yeah, 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 it is. Well, it's, yeah, yeah. For all intents and purposes, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I started there as an apprentice and, okay. uh, and now, now I, yeah, now I have responsibility for the business as well, which is, it's a 61 year old business now, you know, oh, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. we're in our 61st year. So it's, it's a legacy and it's a responsibility. It's in the same location, even though it occupies more of the building. But it's a, it's a really important part of, of me and my family and, and even my brother's life, even though he's not, he's not involved anymore. It's still an important part of him too, I think. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, uh, you know, have you and Stephen ever considered opening up a salon together? But I didn't realise that you still had the, the, the family business. So, uh, yeah, that is what it is. Okay, so um, your passion is not just doing hair, as you've alluded to. You are a hairdressing uh, educator, but you're the educator's educator. And I know you don't just work in the hairdressing industry, but that is um, where your your focus is. It's on educating hairdressers to become better educators. So tell us about that for a minute. How did your path, you know, take you in that direction? What was the sort of background behind, you know, being an educator on platform, on stage, whatever, to then starting to, to develop this passion about process that goes on that makes someone a good educator? 
Well, uh, when I was 18 years old, I did a, a very uh, sort of uh, amateur photo shoot with a friend of mine who was studying photography, uh, photography at college. And we did these photographs together and made them into a book. And our, our product company sales representative, sales consultant, came in and saw them and said, would you show people, show my customers how you created these looks using these products and it'll help me sell more products. That's, that's what it was. So I was 18 years old and I went off to do some classes on behalf of a distributor or a, a, a you know a warehouse if you like if you if you use that terminology and uh, and that's how my education started but what i recognized anthony was some classes were better than others some classes they were everybody would still be there at the end and they'd be interested and then other classes half the people would be left or they wouldn't come back after the coffee break and i started to try and think okay what's making one better uh, and one less effective and i started to get more and more interested in the pedagogy if you like, or uh, when it comes to adult education, the term's actually adagogy, the, the, the art of sort of getting information across to people in an engaging and interesting and effective way. And the more I started to delve deep into that, the more I became fascinated, not just by uh, hairdressing education, but by the whole act of educating people, understanding what barriers people have to education, how ego gets in the way, fear of change, fear of risk, this this terminal fear we have of making mistakes. And how could I, I, I recognize that the more I could break those barriers down and let people know that it was okay to learn, helping them to learn better, the more effective my classes got. Uh, and as my classes got more and more effective, these organizations that I was working with started to come to me and say, would you help this person do what you do? What, what, what do you do that makes it better? And can you help this person do it too? And I found myself moving more towards a coaching mentorship role where I was helping people uh, to, to do uh, what they wanted to do more effectively. And basically all I ended up doing, Anthony, was telling them about all the dreadful mistakes that I'd made and uh, which I, and, and, and some I still make today, and the way that I'd navigated through them so that they could get to a more effective place in less time with less pain. Okay. And that's ultimately what education is about. How can I get you from where you are to where you want to be in less time with less pain? The more effectively I can do that, the more effectively I can educate. And that's what yeah. I became fascinated with. Okay. So how much of your time, because I know you're obviously an accomplished hairdresser as well. So how much of your time now is teaching hair versus teaching people to teach? I don't teach hair at all. Oh, you don't? Yeah, right. Don't. Okay. No, no, no. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I think I probably would if people asked me to, but the yeah. reality is this, is, is this Anthony, is, is you've, you've, you've got to know what you're good at and you've got to let go of the things that, that I wouldn't say that you're not good at, but you know people can do better. And yeah. here's the reality. I, I've worked with tens of thousands of hairdressers from all, all over the world, from the USA all the way through to Australia. And one thing I've recognized, Anthony, is there are people that can cut hair 100 times better than I can. Okay. They're just amazing at it. I'm good. I'm a good haircutter, Anthony. I can do a really good job. But there are people that can blow me out of the water. Uh, I'm fairly creative, I think. I'm fairly artistic and I'm fairly creative. But I see some of the work that some people do. Oh, my God, it blows my mind. So I know there are people that are better at teaching that than I am. My role is not to get into the same arena as them and teach haircutting. My role mm. is to help them 
teach it better than anybody else. Got it. Okay. So the, the role of a coach, Anthony, and this is what I say to other coaches, the role of a coach is not to be better than the person that you're coaching. Mm. The role of a coach is to make them better than anybody else they meet. Yeah. Yeah, and that, exactly. that's my role. So, so, so if you're a creative haircutter and you want to become an educator, then that's brilliant. I'll you, you get your haircutting, uh, your creative haircutting skills, and I'll show you how to take the skills that are in your head and put them into the hands of somebody else. Right. Okay. That's what I do. Before we started recording. We were just having a little bit of a chat and, and you started talking and I said, stop talking, stop talking. Because what you, what you were saying. My wife says that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because, because what, what you were saying was, you know, was valuable. And I said I, I, that I should be recording that. And you were talking about the, the fact that everybody is an educator. So, so now I'm giving you license to, to pick up where you left off as to, you know, what, what that, uh, you know, basically what you were saying before we were, you know, before we went live. Well, everybody will remember two years ago when we first went into this global lockdown, suddenly everybody's Instagram feeds were full of all these people saying, come back to my page. I'm going to do a free, a free webinar every lunchtime at 12 o'clock. And I looked at this stuff and like yourself, I've been teaching online for about six years now and I looked at all these people I'm, I'm going to do a free class every single day and I thought mate you're going to run out of day you know you, you're going to run out of stuff before you run out of days here uh, and, and suddenly everybody was was educating and now uh, and I think I think our, our listeners will agree uh, almost everybody in their grandma is calling themselves an educator now putting the term educator at the end of their Instagram handle now a lot of people have a uh, uh, weird feelings about this. For me personally, I think it's fantastic. I believe 100%, Anthony, that everybody can teach somebody something. We've all got something that we can teach to somebody else. The challenge is just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean that you can teach someone else how to do it. It's a big difference. It's what I call the difference between exhibiting and teaching. There's a big difference between showing somebody what you're doing and teaching them how to do it. And so everybody's got these amazing skills that they've discovered, ways to solve problems and get better results. What's missing now is somebody helping them uh, to put that across in a way that other people can understand it, remember it, and use it to solve their own problems. Mm. So really, we've got lots of people that know how to balayage and clip a fade and stuff like that, and they're, you know, they're, they're wanting to get into education. And my role, my, my offer, if you like, is to say, let me help you. Uh, let me help you figure out how to teach this. So you're not only doing it, but you're actually teaching it too. Difference between the two. That's really where I think we need to go next. Okay. It's interesting, as you were saying that, I was thinking back to my early years as a, as a hairdresser, and I'm talking a long time ago in the, in the late 70s. You know, my God, yeah. it, was that, it was that long ago. And uh, I'd probably only been in the salon, I don't know, a month. And there was a guy in the salon who was a great hairdresser. And I, I remember standing behind him and watching him do this haircut. And at the time, I didn't even know what it was called, but basically it was a graduated bob. And yep. I, I was looking at this graduation in the back and I was just thinking, that is amazing. Like, how do you, how do you get hair to do that? That was, I was blown away. And I remember saying to him, how do you do that? And he looked at me and he said, it's feeling. 
<laughs> I was devastated because I thought, well, I obviously haven't got that. <laughs> well, well I, I, but, I'm going to say something controversial here, Anthony, yeah. if I may, and and, uh, and I hope this doesn't upset too many people, but I think when people use that word, when they say it's a feeling, yeah. that's just their inability to explain what it is that they're doing. Totally. Totally. If, if, if it's a task, a task can be broken down. I always believe that, you know, like a lot of other things, haircutting is a task and tasks mm. can be taught. It can be yeah. broken down and taught. But what happens a lot, I mean, I, I, you know, we talked earlier on about my brother and his background and your shared background and, and, and all these different places that I used to go. I was a real education junkie and I used to go to places and I, would, I was desperate to learn. And, and, and some people would teach, some people would simply show and they'd say, look, here, lift it up, pull it up to here, do it like that and stop when you get there. And there's still a lot of that happening now. Pick this up, do it like that, then do it like that, and then do it like this. And and then what people do is they repeat what they've seen. So, So this teacher shows them three steps, and the student repeats those three steps. Well, Anthony, that's not teaching. That's just repetition. That's the way that you teach a parrot to talk. But if you ask a parrot about what's going off in the world right now, you'll quickly recognize that the parrot can't talk. It can just repeat phrases. Mm. And what we end up with is a bunch of learners who can just repeat steps that we've given them. The true test of learning, Anthony, is can you use those that can you use that information to solve complex problems six weeks down the line when I'm no longer there? Yeah. Can you exactly. do that? Yeah. You know, and, and that requires a teaching skill. Yeah. Okay. So I know you have a uh, a program, for want of a better word, called Chris Camp. Uh, what what is yeah, yeah. Chris? What what is it? So I have a partner over in the USA, which I'm sure a lot of you USA viewers will know. His name's Chris Barron. And uh, uh, Chris is, is my kind of coach and my mentor. He's the person that got me kind of on the, on the path to really understanding education and how people work and whatever. So he, he still is one of my coaches and teachers, although now he's become a great friend. Chris Camp is a three-day immersive experience that we used to run in person two years ago. The last two years, we've done it on, uh, entirely online but it's a, it's a residential experience entirely for people who want to get into educating or want to level up their presentation and education skills and so uh, uh, Chris and I will get together and we put together this program and it's all about coaching tasks and coaching experiences putting people in kind of I dare say like heated environments, you know, where they're having to coach and teach people themselves. And then we help them uh, strengthen and develop their teaching skills and, and try and level up their, uh, their their teaching and presentation skills during Chris Camp. Okay. So so what are the, the biggest skills that a, a budding educator needs to develop? Where, where should they be putting their focus? Well, they should be putting their focus entirely on their learner, on their student. You see, I think the biggest problem that teachers make, and you know this, I know this is a salon, a salon business podcast, but this relates to salon business too. Where if, if you're, because here's the thing, look, I, I, one, of my, one of my coaches and mentors uses this word. This is, this is not my phrase, it's his. He says, teachers are leaders and leaders are teachers. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter whether you're in charge of a class or in charge of a salon team, you're still teaching and leading. It's the same role, really. Mm-hmm. And the biggest mistake that educators make is that they forget to put themselves in the shoes of their learners. In other words, uh, and again, something controversial is going to come out here, Anthony, is people focus entirely on what it is that they're going to teach. So what are you going to teach today? Oh, I'm going to teach a graduated Bob. I'm going to teach Balayage. I've got this amazing thing to teach. Let me tell you this, my friends, and if you're listening on the podcast, I want you to lean in a little closer because this is going to be big, okay? No one cares what you teach. No one cares what you teach. The only thing that matters is what do I learn? That's all that matters. What mm-hmm. do I learn? And, and a learner, we have to get our head around the fact that a learner isn't interested in, what they're, in what's being taught. They're interested in how it can help them. What am I going to learn from this experience? The other thing to recognize is that learners only come to us for one reason, Anthony, and one reason only. The reason learners come to us is because they have a problem. And that problem has surpassed a point of pain. So now they can't stand it anymore. They've, they've, they've surpassed a point of pain and they have to do something about it. So now they come and seek education. Once we recognize that they have a problem, then we have to start putting together solutions. But they're not looking for solutions, Anthony. They're looking for results. So I'll come to your graduated Bob class because I am sick of the pain of getting one side longer than the other and being afraid of graduated Bobs. So I come to your class. And I'm not really looking for a class in graduated bobs. What I'm looking for is a method that will help my graduated bobs be symmetric on both sides and help me enjoy them and make money and be successful with them. So I'm looking for a result. It just so happens that I'll buy your class because that's the solution that leads me to my result. So focus on what people want to learn. Focus on what results you can offer during your class and forget about what it is that you're teaching Focus instead on what do they need to learn to get them the result that will solve their problem. Okay, that's great. Lots of amazing information coming uh, here. Um, if, if you're doing a class, and let's say you've got, I don't know, a dozen, 20, 50, whatever people in the class that are, that are attending one of your events, and you're getting to know them a little bit. You get into, you know, someone's asking questions during the, the presentation side of what you're doing. You're talking to people during the coffee break. You're talking to people during the lunch break, whatever. There must be occasions where you look at someone and at some level you think this person's going to make a great teacher. What I'm asking you is what is it that makes a great teacher? What's that little raw element in them that, Maybe they haven't tapped into properly, but it's just sort of there. What, what is that that makes a great teacher? I think it's having the ability to be able to recognize that somebody's in need of help and putting yourself second, putting them first. How can I help you get to where you need to be? So, so many times we see, uh, we'll get together with groups of people and we'll talk about their teaching and we'll talk about their ambitions. And it's amazing if you say to people, what do you want to get out of today? And, they, and, and there's a big focus on, on I. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to grow my business. I want to be able to grow my profile. I, I want to get booked a lot more. The minute that you hear people saying, 
I just want my learners to feel fulfilled. I just want to be able to help them get to where they need to be. I just want to be able to solve people's problems for them. The minute that you hear them talking about somebody else before themselves, that's the first step in recognizing that they have the one quality that a, that a teacher really needs, and that's benevolence. You know, you need you need to have to be willing to give. Uh, somebody once said, I don't know who, but the, but the the mark of a great teacher is oh, sorry. The ambition of a great teacher is to be outstripped by their student. And I think if you can have that mindset, if you can say, look, my entire goal is to make you better than I've ever been. Yeah. If you've got that mindset and that goal in mind, then then you, you're going to be incredibly successful by by serving people, by putting things first. So I, I suppose what you're looking for is that is that is that serving attitude, that serving mentality. What can I do to serve you better? Okay. Because people don't get it. People people don't get the simple truth of the universe, and it sounds it sounds a bit kind of marshmallowy and a bit fluffy. This, but I genuinely believe it is. The best way to get what you want is to help other people get what they want first. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And people often get terrified that, that, that if they give it away, then oh, everyone man. will know their yeah. secrets. And it's like, get over yourself. You know, the universe. Any secrets. <laughs> I know. The universe has a way of filling you back up. The more you give out, the more it comes it back at you, doesn't it? So, yeah, no, I agree. So, Bye. Favorite, uh, my favorite term, Anthony, is when I'm stood in front of a presenter or a teacher and they say, this is something that I invented a few years ago. And I think, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because like you know, like, like you said, when you've been in this game long enough, you recognize that actually there's not much being invented recently, really. You know, it's, it, it can all be traced back somewhere. And I think, you know, none, not, none of it belongs to us. You know, it's yeah. just passing through us. Uh, and uh, all we are as educators, we're conduits. That's yeah. all we well, are. That, that's messages. exactly the expression I use. I'm, I'm a conduit for information. That's I'm it. lucky enough to have been around a long time, worked with a lot of great people, seen a lot yeah. of amazing businesses. I don't pretend that everything I talk about comes out of Anthony's head. You know, it, it, it is often, you know, from other people. And I'm a, a, a sort of conduit and packaging it and presenting it in a, in a way that's meaningful to them. So yeah. you, you have you know, like me, been in this industry a very long time. Um, and you will remember, you know, 30 years ago, it was a video. Not even 30 years ago, 20 years ago, it was a video. And I, I can remember when the very first videos were being done um, when I was at Sassoon's and in the, you know, and this was at least 30 years ago and, and it was revolutionary. It was new that, that haircuts were being done on video. And when you look back at them, they were being done in real time. So, you know, if that haircut took 45 minutes an hour, the video filmed every second of that 45 minutes or an hour. And nowadays you can go on TikTok and you can see something in eight seconds or whatever, which is which in theory is teaching you how to do this haircut or this this balayage or whatever it is. So yeah. what 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 I'm asking you about is. Talk, well, I'm not asking you a direct question. I'm just saying talk to us about that. Talk to us about how you've seen education change, potentially what's wrong with education today. There was a great, there was a great quote I saw on someone's social media feed, and it just said, YouTube is not beauty school. And I thought, oh, fantastic, because I totally agree with that. And, and, and I, I suppose on one hand I'm saying, I love social media. I love TikTok. I love how cool it is to be able to 
encapsulate a message, some information in a very short soundbite. But at the same time, I sort of recognize that you don't actually know what you're doing with that. You know, you, you think you do. You have more maybe afterwards than you did before, but on its own, it's not enough. So, so talk to us about that from your perspective. Well, I, I think that's here to stay and it'll just continue on because what's happened is the only reason that those videos were 45 minutes long is because we didn't have the ability to do 60-second reels and uh, and 15-second 15, 15 stories and things like that. But now we've got those, they'll never go away. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I'm determined not to do, Anthony, is I'm determined not to uh, turn into a receding uh white-haired old bloke, you know, with glasses, with, with my glasses on, you know, saying, oh, things are very different when I was younger. You know, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. this when I was Definitely. younger. I'm just determined not to go down there. Yeah. So I think all of that stuff, if, you, if you're getting your information from, from YouTube and TikTok and Stories and Reels, that's great. But there's the key word, and you probably missed it. If you're getting your information from those things, there's a big difference between information and knowledge. I can't remember who said it, uh, but, you know, they said we are drowning in information and starving in knowledge, starving of knowledge. And there's a big difference between seeing something and remembering it and doing something and understanding it. Mm. Big difference between uh, between memorizing and understanding. And I think we can watch these clips and we can memorize the movements, but we won't necessarily understand the what, why, and the how. So my uh, take on this, and I do these 60-second things. My Instagram feed is full of 60-second videos, and it's a 60-second lesson. But what it is, it's a snapshot. Look, do you have this problem? Here are some steps that you can help. If you want to know more, contact me here and we'll go deeper. So what they are is they're just snapshots, little sort of windows of time where you can see what could be possible. You can get some information. But the, the way to use this successfully is to give people the opportunity to go deeper. If you want to know more, if you want to go deeper, here's where we can go deeper together. So I think social media has created an amazing shop window for us, as long as we use it as a way to entice people into our shop so we can help them on a deeper level, rather than just using it as a, as, as a one-stop for, for, for information in place of knowledge and understanding. That makes yeah. sense. No, totally, totally, totally does. And I was thinking about, as you were talking about that, I, I met someone, well, it was a friend of mine, uh, in the 90s, and she went to the Cordon Bleu Cookery School in, in Paris. And I'll never forget one day she told me that they had spent three days learning yeah. how to boil an egg. Now, I know how to boil an egg. I could probably stretch that lesson out for 60 seconds. Do you know what I mean? Maybe 90. (laughs) But like I I couldn't keep talking about it without just repeating myself. And it's like anything. It's it's like to be a real master of anything. It it is the attention is in the detail. So, you know, it's it's I I agree with everything you just said about social media. It's it's a teaser. It gives you an insight into something. But but to become a real master of anything requires you know, going deeper with uh, with yeah. the knowledge. Um, yeah. you, you, you touched on, I'm not sure if we were recording this or if it was before we started recording, we, we touched on COVID and how COVID had, well, it's changed your business, it's changed my business. And, and luckily we were both already in the online space and moving in this direction anyway. And COVID has, has really just, you know, sped that up dramatically. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about is from 
both the educator's point of view and maybe from the from the consumer's point of view as well, has online devalued the the worth of education? Absolutely not. No, not not at all. And I'll stand on on any hilltop and say that uh, uh, online education is, for a start, if if we if we're sat at home now looking at a webinar or looking at this podcast and what have you, waiting for things to go back to normal. Well, congratulations, here we are. Normal has arrived. It's been with us for a while now. This is now it. The future of education, without any shadow of a doubt, at the immediate future is hybrid learning. Mm-hmm. And so, anybody that's doing any kind of education now, unless you're making facilities for hybrid learning, that's having people in the room with you and people on a screen at the side of you. That's that's the immediate future. The long-term future is even going into stuff like VR and hybrid learning as well. And, and, and all that COVID has done has just accelerated what was going to be here in five years' time anyway. Make no mistake, online learning would have been right, right where it is now, five mm. years from now. Just exactly. COVID has just accelerated it. Yeah. The trick is, and here's the key, and for the last... Uh, 18 months, I've been working with some of the biggest brands in, in, well, some of the biggest brands globally, not just in hairdressing, but cosmetics and pharmaceuticals and all kinds of things, helping them how to turn a really boring Teams Zoom webinar using slides and top-down information, how to turn that into a really energized, interactive and effective education session. And I believe with the technology we've got now, you know, the, the, the software that we can use, the hardware that we've got, coupled with, with very well-practiced presentation skills, you can make a really energized, interactive and highly effective uh, learning experience online to to the point where people think they're in the same room as you. Mm. The only thing that we can't do is physically touch people, but the other modalities, you know, the visuality, the sort of uh, the the, the audio uh, references, uh, the kinesthetic references, we can still use them and have an amazing uh, learning experience. So no, I don't think it's devalued it. I think if anything, it's enhanced it and added to it. It really, it really has. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a quick business example. The, the, there was a time where people like me, a working hairdresser, uh, I could only come and see you, Anthony, doing your haircutting class probably once or twice a year. The amount of money it took me to book the course, a hotel, take two days, three days out of the salon, buy a hotel in London or New York or wherever it was, it was two or three days. But now I could come online and talk to you, even on one-to-one like this, and get some live coaching from you. I could do that once a week. I could, I could easily do that once a week. Two hours, it's affordable. I don't have to go where. So now I can get much more exposure. And I can still go to London or New York and yeah. see you in person as well. All it's done is added to it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What, what you touched on a second ago, you started talking about helping people to, to make their PowerPoints and stuff more interesting, more engaging, yeah. more interactive. What, what, what are the keys to online success when you're, you know, talking about that, when you're giving people that lesson of, listen, you've got to take this content because a, a PowerPoint presentation on its own can be boring enough, even when it's live. Do you know what I mean? But take the same thing and put it online, it can be boring to the power of 10 if the person doing it doesn't know what they're doing. So, so, so what are the key elements that sort of, you know, ensure you're successful with, with doing that online? Well, my first, my first uh, response to that is when, you talk, when people talk about going online, there's still this, 
thing about PowerPoints and doing things that are static. If you think about PowerPoints and things that are static, all they do is they convey data. That's all. They just convey data. Well, people don't need data. Going back to that reference before, we are drowning in data. I can get data anywhere. And, and, I, and, and as, if you're a budding educator, I would say to you this, don't worry about teaching stuff. And when we're talking about stuff, you know, I'm talking about, I'll pull something up here. I'm talking about this. Don't worry about stuff. Hmm. Because the thing is, your audience have got all the stuff they need. It's all here. All hmm. your content is here. All your data is here. All the facts and figures, the numbers, they're all there. They're a click away. People don't need data. What they need is context, experience, angles, stories, examples. They need you. So ditch the PowerPoints because if the PowerPoints are so important, attach them to a QR code and have them download the PowerPoints to their phone or their iPad or just email them or put them in the chat or tell them to take a screenshot. Yeah. For God's sake, don't have them come online just to look at static stuff. What's mm -hmm. the point? Yeah. Instead, remember this. It's a conversation. What people are coming to you for is not for stuff. It's not for data because that's all there already. What they're coming to you for are your experiences, your stories, your examples, your angles. So put your camera on, get them to put their camera on and have a conversation with them just like we're doing now. Mm -hmm. Stare straight into their eyes, use your hands. And I promise you, Anthony, just like you and I now, within about 15 minutes, you forget that you're online. You just think you're in the same room and you're talking and you're having this conversation with somebody. Have a conversation, answer their questions, resolve their problems. And the stuff can come later as, as a backup. Does that yeah. make sense? Oh, totally, totally. There's this huge thing about, oh, people won't put their cameras on and stuff like that. Well, of course they won't because you didn't tell them. So here's, the, here's a hot tip for you. You can have this for free. This, this is something you can have for free. If you just tell them to line up, if you tell them you're going to do a webinar next week on Monday at nine o'clock, they think, fantastic, I don't have to get up. I can stay in bed. I can eat some cookies and I can drink some juice and I can watch the webinar in bed. They log on and suddenly you tell them to turn their camera on. Well, they've got pajamas on, no makeup, their hair's in a bun and they're eating cookies and chips. Mm -hmm. And they think, no way am I putting my camera on. If you tell them 48 hours ahead, you will be required to have your camera on. You're going to be needing, you need to be sat at a desk. You need to be well lit. I'm going to be talking to you face to face. So get your hair done, put your makeup on, have your breakfast, show up like you would for a class. If you do that, you stand a much better chance of them turning their camera on. As soon as they've got their camera on, then you can have a conversation with them. Bingo, you're away. You're already in a much better place than you were before. Is that making sense? No, it is totally making sense. And what I was going to ask you, about was that you know most of what we're talking about is about teaching people to become better teachers but the flip side of that and you've just opened the door to talk about that now is that we haven't really spoken about one of the big changes that's been happening through COVID you know started it is that not just do we need to learn how to teach online but people also need to know how to learn online and so, yeah. as you've just said, if you sat in bed with, you know, your hair pulled up in the bun, eating, eating chips or whatever it was, uh, you, you're already disconnecting yourself from the engagement level that you need to have. So, so talk to us about that. What are your thoughts about how people need to become better learners online as well as better teachers online? 
Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you're having a class online or whether you're having a Zoom meeting with your team, with your salon team online. At the end of the day, it's happening through a screen. Now, we've had relationships with screens for the last 40 years or so. Anybody born after 1960 has had a lifelong relationship with the screen. But that relationship is really specific. I use that screen as a way of recreation, of relaxation, and the screen is passive. It requires no engagement from me, no interaction from me. <laughs> so when I sit down in front of a screen, I am going to be entertained. Uh, I don't need to engage and I can be completely passive, just like when I'm watching Saturday night TV. And so unless we shift that mindset before they come on board, then you'll get a whole bunch of people that are disengaged passive and uh, are not interacting with the screen. And then the teachers, this is what happens, Anthony, they blame the students. Oh, nobody will do this and nobody will get involved. Well, have, have you, you're a teacher. Have you taught them how to get involved? Yeah. Have, you, you're a messenger, a communicator. Have mm. you communicated this? Because I, I promise you, anybody born after 2015 will have a very different experience online because their relationship with screens has become more interactive. Yeah. more engaging. Does that make sense? Totally. My, my son and daughter have, have a phone now and they never, ever use it as a phone. They never use it as a phone. They never make phone calls. They only make video messages and video calls and things mm -hmm. like that. So right now we have to catch everybody up. So for instance, for my classes, if you were to come on one of my classes, Anthony, I send you a video. It's a video of me. Uh, I send you little PDFs of what you can do and how you can get yourself all set up. I do everything I can to put you in the best possible position for learning, for interactive and active learning. And I do all that. You know, you know, 48, 76 hours before the webinar even begins. Mm -hmm. And I do that with Zoom meetings with my team all the way through lockdown. I sent them all that information. Here's where we're going to be having our meeting. If you show up for a salon meeting with no makeup, no hair in your pajamas, I would send you home. Mm -hmm. If you show up for this Zoom meeting in the same way, this is a salon meeting. You're getting paid even though you're in lockdown. This is how we're going to have these meetings. So set people up for success. Yeah. If you don't, you, you know, it, it, here's the, Here's the thing, you know, remember this. In the absence of rules, people will just make up their own. People like rules. Even the rebels like rules. And in the absence of rules, they'll just make up their own. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, definitely. It's a, it's a good framework for people to, uh, to have. I mean, I, I do exactly the same thing when I'm coaching salon owners. So, you know, I often get on the, on the call with them and they'll say, I've got this problem with Mary and I'll say, you know, listen to what the problem is. And then I'll say, well, how did you set it up at the beginning? I go, well, what do you mean? And I'll say, well, you know, when Mary first started with it, what, with you, what did you say about what your expectations were about whatever it is that, that we're talking about? And most of them would look at me like I've got two heads and, and that's exactly the same. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's all about the setup. It's about setting people up to succeed. Right. And if you don't, yep. you're effectively setting them up to fail. So yeah, exactly. yeah. So Precisely, on, yeah. on that theme, what, what is your biggest frustration as an educator and how do you deal with it? My, my biggest frustration as an educator is 
I suppose it's people's unwillingness to take a risk and to do something different. And the only reason that that is the biggest frustration is because it's something that I'm guilty of too. So I don't believe that anybody is, um, any, I don't believe that anybody is 100% open to risk uh, 100% of the time, but all learning requires risk. If we want to do something new, learn something new, it means making a discovery. We can only discover something if we take a step in a direction we've never been in, down a pathway we've never been down. And we are naturally risk averse. And that's, the, that's actually the, the, that's the whole key, that's the whole gateway to effective teaching and learning is being able to break down that barrier and allow people to be more comfortable with risk. And so my biggest frustration when I see an educator is when an educator doesn't take the time to set up a safe learning environment. And what I mean by a safe learning environment is letting people know that the reason that they're getting the results that they get are through the habits that they practice. And the reason that they have these habits is through beliefs that were set up. And the beliefs that were set up are through the results that they've gained through the habits that they've practiced. And so it goes round and round, unless you deal with that. And, and unless they take time to let the learner know that it's okay to be open to risk, open to change, doing something new. And if you make a mistake, a mistake leads to a discovery, a discovery leads to learning. And, uh, and, and instead of taking time to set that up, all they want to do is get straight into their content. Hey, everybody, welcome, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me. Let me show you this amazing haircut that I want to share with you. Look how amazing this haircut is. I've got this stuff. It's going to change your life. All you're doing is you're throwing water up against a barn door. Mm. And it's just going to fall down the sides. Unless you take time to gently open those barn doors, now you can throw the water inside. Now they're yeah. open to learning. It's the difference between less teaching, more learning. Yeah, That's, I guess, my biggest frustration. Yeah, no, good, good analogy. I, I love the analogy about the barn doors. Um, uh, what about different generations? You know, if you've got a room of 20-year-olds versus a room of 50-year-olds or whatever, they come from different generations. Do you find that there's different approaches that you need to take for, you know, different yep. generations in a room? Absolutely. And I think that's, that's, something, that's something that's real. That's something that really happens, yeah. And I think sort of the Generation X people, you know, sort of people like us, Generation X, I think we're good at collaborating and working together. Uh, we're very kind of like solutions-driven, you know, we want to work through problems to get to solutions and things. And I think we will kind of take the time to work it through. The Generation uh, uh, XYs, or, uh, uh, sorry, ZYs and, uh, and, and the people that were born sort of a, a post 2000 and what have you yeah much much shorter attention spans very much more results driven they need to see results more often and so the strategies for that are slightly different you can sit down with a bunch of 50 year olds and you can spend the whole day getting from a to b and and that's that's okay they're working but the younger people the young they need to see progress and they need to see it more often and the industry that has nailed this completely is the gaming industry and how the gaming industry have got around it is by setting levels they set levels and each level is a challenge i call it a goldilocks challenge it's not too hard not too easy it's just enough so if you're working with a bunch of young people and this is the people in your team your associates in your salon or your younger stylist in your team set them levels small levels so all we're going to do is we're going to, today we're going to get from here 
to here. And then we're going to celebrate that and acknowledge that. Then we're going to get to here. Then we're going to get to here. So that what frustrates that generation, that younger generation, more than anything else is a lack of progress when they can't see progress. They need to see things changing and they need to see, they need to see progress. So setting in levels uh, and celebrating and acknowledging progress. I'll I'll give you something else uh, that everybody can have have for free. And again, whether it's your salon team or whether it's a bunch of uh, learners and what have you, there's only three things that they want to know from you right at the beginning of your class, three things that they want to know. They want to know, why am I here? What am I going to get out of this? And who are you to tell me this stuff? That's what they want to know. If you can answer those three questions very quickly uh, and, and, and give, them, give them a clear sign of progress, help them see progress, you can manage the journey of any generation of learner. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Okay, so um, talk to us a little bit about social media. I know we touched on it, but yep. how, how has social media impacted on the role of education? I think social media has brought more choices of education to people than there's ever been before. Here's the question that people often get asked. They'll often get asked, what do you want to learn today? And the answer to that is, I don't know. What do you have? Because people don't know what they don't know. And what social media has allowed us to do is to create a huge a shop window, a huge smorgasbord of choice to say, these are the different things that you can learn. You can learn to be a barber and fade hair out or you can learn to be a barber and do long, shaggy haircuts. You can learn balayage, foliage, meltiage, whatever. So it's given us lots and lots of choices and really opened up the window. It's allowed people to niche, and I'm a big believer in niches, like I mentioned before. You know, my niche is teaching teachers how to teach or at least teaching leaders how to communicate. So it's allowed us to be able to niche down, and the more we can niche, the more effective and on time our messages can become. So I think social media on the whole has been a positive influence on education. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So look, before we start to wrap up, there's one other thing I wanted to touch on, and that is that the other thing that's changing dramatically in the industry is changing business models. You know, there's a lot more independence, a lot more freelancers, a lot more self-employed, a lot more salon suites, whatever you want to call it, booth rental, chair rental. Uh, What impact is that having on education and how people access it or how people teach it or whatever? I wish we'd got another hour on that. Um, so uh, I, I think, uh, okay, so I, I have people that are in both camps that are salon-based, employed hairdressers like my team, and I have people that I respect tremendously that have gone independently for whatever reasons. And I think their reasons for going independent or staying part of a team are really valid and important to them. My only worry, and I hope that uh, the, the, the independent sector can help us with this, my only worry is that the majority of people who are working independently gained their skills from a larger salon-based community. So, for instance, I've had members of my team that I've taught over three, four, five years, and they've decided to go independently and work self-employed or renting spaces, which is great. But the skills that they gained, they gained from within a wider team-based community. Now, my only fear is as more and more people fracture off into these independent environments, where is this wider salon-based teaching environment going to come from? Where is it Mm. going to come from? Because here in the UK, 
people, for whatever reason, are not particularly happy with college-based education, and that's a whole different conversation which I, I'm not commenting on just yet, but that's the only alternative. You either grow people within salon communities or you grow people within college or beauty school-based communities. Now, if you take one of those communities away through independent fracture or independent, uh, independent uh, operators working, then what, how will you compensate for that? That, that's my only question. And I think mm. unless we're careful, we might lose the ability to home grow talent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the, the elephant in the room with the way things are changing. So, yeah, I get what you mean. We, we need an hour to talk about that one. Uh, final thing I just wanted to ask you about, uh, you, you've been fantastic. An absolute avalanche is probably the best way to describe it, an avalanche of, of information and enthusiasm. Uh, but I want to ask you this one question. What do you wish you were better at? Oh, what do I wish I was better at? Oh my goodness, me. what do I wish I was better? I wish I was better at staying focused. I'm a little bit, I have sort of squirrel syndrome or magpie syndrome, if you like, and I see shiny things and I go around all over the place. So I wish I had a little bit more self-discipline in, uh, in chasing after my goals. Uh, I'm currently involved in a mentorship program, which is all about goal setting. And they asked me, you know, what's your top priority? What's your top goal? And I said to become better at goal setting. And uh, so, so I, I, I think I, I just wish I was just a little bit less diffused and a little bit more focused on uh, on those kind of goals because I think that would help me and uh, in turn help a lot of people around me as well. That's something I'm working on. Yeah, great. Okay. All right. Well, um, where can people connect with you on Instagram or other social media channels? Well, if you're watching this visually, you can see there, you can find me at Chris Moody Hair, C-H-R-I-S-M-O-O-D-Y-H-A-I-R, at Chris Moody Hair on all social media channels. I also have a website, which is chrismoody.co.uk. Please look, reach out for me and send me a message. And if you have, look, I'll, I'll put this out there. If you have a challenge or an issue and you think it's something I may be able to help you with, if I have the time and the information to share with you, honestly, my friends, I have no problem in helping uh, you find a solution or sharing some information with you. Uh, I don't believe that it's, uh, I don't believe in this thing about not giving it all away. I, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to give stuff away because most of it was given to me anyway. So it's yeah. my uh, legacy to pass it on. Exactly. Okay. I will put those links on the website, uh, my website, growmysalonbusiness.com. They'll also be in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Chris and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on the Apple podcast app. So to wrap up, Chris Moody, I've really enjoyed just sitting here and, and listening to you. You've been, you know, a fantastic uh, source of information. And uh, uh, I, I just want to thank you for being on this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Uh, any final words for our listeners? Yeah, I, I suppose whether you're an educator or with your, uh, whether you're a salon owner in charge of a team, what can you do to help educate and grow the people around you, help them get to where they need to be? Because genuinely, by lifting others, my friends, we will lift the entire industry ourselves. Education cures, my friends. So go out there and teach somebody something. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram.
Instagram at Grow My Salon Business. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker.